Hello, and welcome to the Resiliency by Design podcast. In this podcast, we embark on a journey, exploring the multitude of issues woven into climate change. My name is Ozzy Lang, and I will be guiding you through this exploration with the help of experts from the community. These experts are individuals taking action on climate change through adaptation or mitigation. The journey to a future where we can all thrive is not a simple path, but with the guidance of great leaders and a willingness to change, our future on this beautiful planet will be bright. This episode is the first half of our deep dive into competency frameworks. The Adaptation Learning Network is one of the major projects currently underway with the Resilience by Design Lab. The team at the Adaptation Learning Network have recently developed the Climate Adaptation Competency Framework. You can find a link in the podcast description. You may be asking yourself, what is a competency framework? To help us answer this question, I am joined by Dennis Green, the founder of South Arm Training. Dennis has recently been working with eCampus Ontario to develop a toolkit to help others create competency frameworks. A link to this toolkit can be found in the podcast description. Thank you so much, Dennis, for joining the podcast. I'm excited to talk with you about competency frameworks. Glad to be here. We might as well jump into your background. I know that you started South Arm Training, but you are also involved with eCampus Ontario. My first career was in hospitality. I was a chef for 20 years, mostly in Vancouver in small restaurants. And I did that from 1987 until 2007. And then I had the opportunity to move from there into an industry association. And I went to go work at GoToHR, which is BC's Provincial Tourism HR Association. And they were really focusing at that period of time. They'd just taken over the, the management and oversight of the apprenticeship programs in hospitality. So cooking, baking, and meat cutting apprenticeship programs. I ended up going over there to work full time as a part of that work. And that's really where my professional work around competency-based training, assessment, workforce development really started. So I worked at GoTo until 2019. And then in the fall of 2019, decided to start my own company and continue doing this kind of work outside of the world of hospitality in a broader lens. One of the things that I've been working on for the last year was this toolkit for eCampus Ontario, which was something that myself and, <clears throat> and Carolyn Levy, who's an instructional designer I work really closely with and have worked with for a number of years, decided to bid on and really to help the development of competency frameworks that, that can support a whole bunch of different things, including training, assessment, and micro-credentialing. I had the luxury of sitting in on your webinar, and I really enjoyed how you have put so much thought into the different structures and pieces of what creates a good competency framework. What you've created is really a guide to creating competency frameworks. It was one of those projects that there was an idea at the beginning about what we wanted to create, but it wasn't locked in stone. And there was the ability to move as we went along to see how things evolved, which was excellent. So what happened, we got a couple of months into the project and it really started to evolve that not only do we need to provide tools and directions for people to help them support developing competency frameworks, but there needed to be a broad understanding of the perspective on competencies and competency frameworks that we were bringing to the table, both as a, a team authoring the toolkit, but also as 
uh, a working group of people from different perspectives of industry and, and education. Once we started to realize that that groundwork piece was going to be an important component of the toolkit, it evolved into becoming more of a textbook. We landed in Pressbooks, which is a great format that allows us to do the web book, but also PDFs and downloadable formats for people and still have all the access to the tools that we wanted to provide in terms of templates and resources. So in doing that, we really had some great conversations both with our working group and with people externally that really involved in, in competency development and competencies around the world and about their perspective of what's important when defining competencies, but also what's important when structuring competency frameworks. And the biggest takeaway from all of that is that there's no one way to do it. It really depends on the use case for your framework. And you want to build your framework in such a way that it's suits your needs first and foremost, but it's also useful for other people, for other needs, and that it's also expandable and adaptable. And this whole idea that just because you haven't thought of a particular use for your framework doesn't mean somebody else isn't going to want at some point to connect with it. So if you can just have a bit of that mindset going into the development of a framework to understand even just leaving the door open, I use the analogy when you're building a house of roughing things in. If you're roughing the plumbing for the bathroom in the basement, even though you're not going to build it now, you can add it. If you don't, you've got to take the jackhammer to the floor and it creates a whole amount of work later. So the more you can think about the future while you're planning for today really helps the design of the framework. And what we've tried to do in the toolkit is pro provide some different perspectives on structure and organization of frameworks just so that people can, can think about, okay, I see how I'm going to use it, but I could see how somebody else might also want to leverage the work that's going into the framework. Building competency frameworks takes a lot of time, effort, energy, and resources. Just because you need to, to get so much information and do so much consultation and writing, editing, and evolving, that you want to make sure you do it right when you're building something. From my understanding, the toolkit that you've developed for eCampus Ontario is open source, so anyone can access it. It's uh, shared under uh, Creative Commons International Share Alike license. So that means anybody can, can use it, they can adapt it, they can build on it, they can add on to it, both for commercial and non-commercial purposes, but they have to also share what they build from the toolkit in the same way. We wanted to make sure that it was open to the most flexibility in terms of use, but also that it encouraged people to, to share what they build using the toolkit. Could you give a quick description of what a competency is? People have different interpretations of it, but where we landed for the toolkit was a common definition. Competency is a combination of the knowledge, skills, attributes that are required to perform a task or activity within a context of, of some expectation of performance. You can have knowledge, you can have skills, you can have abilities, values, personal attributes, all of these things, and they may be important to your your job and they may be important to the tasks and activities you do as a part of your job, but it's that combination of, okay, I'm doing this. What are the particular knowledge, skills, and other attributes, behaviors, characteristics that need to go into that particular body of work while doing whatever you're doing to the standard that's expected? Competencies are composite items. It provides a little bit more clarity around the knowledge and skills that people have and how they apply to their work and also where there may be gaps in terms of informing training needs. This reminds me of the changeover from people's resumes 
saying the job tasks that they did versus actually describing situations that they've been in. That's a good analogy. I mean, you probably noticed that on the way people are putting resumes forward. Now they tend to be more performance oriented. The same competency can apply to a whole bunch of different tasks and activities. It's just that combination of the knowledge, skills, and other attributes like attitudes, values, behaviors that go into performing those activities. That's an important distinction is that I think you can sometimes get lost into only defining each individual activity as its own competency. We like to generally think of competencies as being broader than that. I think that whole transferable piece is, is a huge piece of where competencies are valuable and how they're useful. My background's culinary, so I always kind of default to that, right? But as a cook, you're going to cook a whole bunch of different things. You're going to cook breakfast. You're going to cook meats. You're going to cook fish. You're going to cook seafood. And we define those things for training. We want to make sure people can do all those things. But when you distill it down, there's really about a dozen competencies that go into performing all of those things, right? Speaking of a use case, where are you seeing, at least for eCampus and other competency pieces that you've been working on, where are you seeing the most competency frameworks being built? There's been a driver in industry sectors, occupational groups to develop competency frameworks, particular to their industry. I've worked on ones for, for culinary that covers all the culinary occupations, everything from a dishwasher to a chef. Those are very common. Go and look at competency frameworks and, and Google them, you're going to see a competency framework for engineers, a competency framework for midwives, a competency framework for doctors, a competency framework for nursing, competency framework for the electrical industry. These are all things that are all out in the landscape. The employers are more and more looking for the competencies. So the driver then says, well, in order to make sure that we're going to meet the needs of the employer, we better also align our training with the same competencies so that we're creating a pathway. What's happening with post-secondary education, you look at different ways of training and credentialing people and new evolving things like micro-credentials and alternative uh, pathways and doing digital badging and creating more connections between specific employer needs, especially emerging employer needs and training that's available through a formal and structured environment. If education and employers are both using competencies and speaking the same language and linking to the same competency frameworks, it allows for a much better integration of work and learning. Nobody should spend four years in school without to having some exposure to the workplace that they're training for. It's a terrible idea. You could spend eight years in medical school and then decide you don't like being a doctor. That's an extreme, not likely to happen because medical does have so much practical hands-on that once you get into the school side of it, but you certainly see that with culinary, you're just taking a one-year culinary course and then they come into the, and they go, oh, I didn't realize it was like this. So we always encourage people to get an understanding of what the work environment's like, and then make sure it's something you want to do. That integration between school and work is a critical piece. I think competency frameworks can certainly play a role in that, especially if they're developed collaboratively. And I think that brings back to that point that we were talking about earlier about why you made the Ontario eCampus toolkit open so that the things that were built out of it were open as well. And that openness allows for people to then pull on those competencies and utilize them to make sure that those educational resources are being developed around those frameworks, but then yeah. they're talking to each other, right? You can go out and you can find a whole bunch of competency frameworks on the internet that are PDF documents, but they, unless they've been shared openly, they're somebody else's content and work. You can't just copy that competency and stick it into your framework and call it your own. That's a huge piece because there's a lot of, especially when you get into 
competencies that apply to a whole bunch of sectors and, and industries. There's a whole bunch of things that are transversal. Everybody needs to work with people. Everybody needs to use technology in some way or another, for the most part. Everybody needs to have health and safety protocols. Most those don't are not tied to any one industry sector. But I tell you, every time somebody sits down to write a competency framework, they write competencies around those exact same things every single time. You know, you can look in any competency framework and I guarantee you're going to find something on interpersonal skills, teamwork, communication, interacting with others. They may define it specific to their context, which is great, but they also may be trying to say the same thing as somebody else and just using different language for it. And I think that's one of the things that we are, we're wanting to do with the toolkit is start providing a foundation and saying, listen, we want to provide a sort of a common approach structure and template to build stuff on. And then we started with a small sample group of competencies and said, here, here's sort of 15 things that apply to a whole bunch of people in different job roles and you're welcome to build on those and adapt them and customize them to your own industry but you just have to share it i see this as an opportunity for both employers and schools to really have some meaning behind the things that they're doing so when they're hiring people they're not creating these job descriptions starting from scratch every time the reusability you see that in big companies big organizations that have their own competency frameworks where they've actually done that. And then typically what will happen is they will use those competencies to build their job roles and job descriptions and link them to their performance management system, link them to their professional development, link them to aspirational goals. So, okay, listen, Austin, I know you have these competencies, but you're interested in moving into this role. So here's the ones you're missing. It's, I've got a clear map for what you need to do for training. So maybe I need to send you for a course. Maybe you need to just, you know, work in that department for a little while and learn on the job and, and develop some some skills. The most important resource most companies have are their people. And they want to make sure that they've got a mechanism in place to invest in people, but also make sure that your workforce is fluid and can adapt to your needs as an employer. And you've got great visibility on where there's gaps, right? Because I think if you don't you don't have something, it can be really easy to just wonder and say, well, something's not getting done. And then you realize if you dig a little bit deeper, oh, it's because I've got this competency that I'm missing, that it's sort of inherent to the function of our organization and nobody has that. I just keep coming back to this openness idea. You talk about these big companies having these frameworks already implemented and already developed, but this openness allows for all these smaller companies to take those competencies on and use them to really maximize the efficiency and the workforce that they have as well. I will say that there is also a movement sort of internationally, especially with large organizations and large government organizations to make more and more things open and shareable. It serves everybody's needs. They're building these massive competency frameworks like the ESCO is one that's referenced in the toolkit. The ESCO, the European Skills and Competence Occupation and Qualifications Framework, it defines 13,000 competencies that are applicable to 2,000 occupations across all of Europe at a very granular level. And they've just assimilated all this information from different places into this one massive database. It's open. You can use it. You can access it. You can link to it. And those are great examples, but they only go at the macro level. They'll say these are the skills of accountants in general across all of Europe, not here's what's required for this person working in this company in this specific role dealing with this type of finance. What do you see are the opportunities and challenges in advancing these competency frameworks? Well, I think the opportunities 
there's so much more that can be done in terms of making sure that people are moving in the same direction with things. A lot of that comes from shared language. I would love to see better tie-ins and better connections between the industry frameworks and education. It's starting to happen, but we don't have a, a national framework that everybody links to, which happens in other jurisdictions. And it's both a blessing and a curse. A place like New Zealand has the New Zealand Qualifications Authority, which has a very, very well-defined set of competencies all clustered into these units of competency. Their whole training system is built on a model where every course refers to certain competencies within the framework. It happens the same in the UK, happens the same in Australia, happens the same in South Africa. And even the course names are the names of the units of competency in the qualifications framework. We don't have structures like that in Canada. People are looking for, for ways to bring people together and, and build things that are shared. The obstacle is getting there. I think the opportunity is that if we do get to um, more shared common language, that people will have some things that are a little bit easier to interpret and, and move across. What do you think about climate change adaptation competency frameworks? There's people doing jobs that all of a sudden climate change is having an impact on their work in ways that it maybe didn't have before. It's an emerging field. It's one of those industries where things are changing. And I think it done a great job of putting some structure in identifying where this fits into a bunch of different places. It's important that people define what's going on in, in those spaces, but also recognize that it's always a moving target because you're always trying to evolve to where things are going and, and how people are going to apply it. It's different than a lot of frameworks in that it applies to a whole bunch of different people and not just one occupational group. That brings a different perspective to how those competencies need to be built and structured and, and connected to things. I think it brings back to that point of keeping the door open. We need to build these competencies to make sure that they're adaptable and people can use them the way that they need to. I think the next piece for that will be for people to start looking at that and saying, okay, well, how can I take what is being said here and apply it to my particular context? As an engineer, you're building a bridge and all of a sudden there's a shift in something that's going on in your substructure, something you hadn't really planned for. And that's changing because of climate change. You need to be thinking about that because you're not building something that's just going to be there for a week. You're building things that are 30, 50 year legacy projects. They're they going to have to be around for a long time. And getting to that forward thinking, there's been so much investment in the last 20 years around going around and taking all of these old school buildings that were built in the middle part of the 20th century and seismic upgrading, because at the time building codes didn't account for seismic controls. That's been a huge amount of investment for people going in and reacting because things have changed. It's not that we never lived in an earthquake zone. It just wasn't as inherently built into the building code. Now for people that build on the West Coast, it's baked into everything that they learn. The seismic foundations are something that people in, in construction in, in BC is a core part of their training. In other parts of the country, it's not taught because it's not pertinent to their work. There's things like that around climate change where it's going to creep and creep into more and more people's work. So having a place to link that back to is great. I just see so many uses for employers, for institutions, but also for individuals to really map out where they want to be going. I think that's an important thing too, is you think about your own sort of inventory of the competencies that you have as a person and, and how does that apply? And that's something that I've certainly seen over my 
career. Skills I didn't realize I had learned in the kitchen were really applicable when I got into an office setting. Seeing that transverse, and now I apply that more and say, okay, well now this competency is transferable. In in defining things that way, you know, is is something. But it's it's always evolving. Yeah, I think you were the perfect person for the job. Being in a kitchen made you adaptable right from the start. Yeah, as I said to somebody, when you're working in a busy kitchen environment, like you're going through this design cycle. If you think about this design thinking process, and I never thought about it as a cook. You've got an idea, you prototype, you evolve, you test, you do it again. Next time you do it, you do a little bit better. You evolve, you evolve, you evolve. This iterative design process, right? In some fields, it takes you a year to get to your revision cycle, right? You're working in a busy kitchen, cook 30 racks of lamb in two hours, right? So every time you make a little adjustment, so you get it right. In my 14 years at Bishops, I figured I cooked over 50,000 racks of lamb. That's a lot of lamb racks. And, and the same for pieces of salmon and things like that. You really get to dial in a nuance of something when you do it 50,000 times. And it's like that in every profession. Somebody would say that that's working as a designer and they're working on AutoCAD all day. They're developing these skills and they're always figuring out better ways of doing things. And how you apply those things to other parts of your life is, I think, a really key thing of thinking about competencies as a tool. I would just like to thank you for your time today and um, for such a wonderful conversation around competencies. Always uh, appreciative of the conversation and uh, new ways of thinking too. Always open to people telling me that I don't know what I'm talking about and they've got a, a new perspective that I haven't thought about. And thank you to everyone who's listening. If you are interested in the eCampus Ontario Competency Framework Toolkit, there will be a link in the podcast description. There will also be a link to the Climate Adaptation Competency Framework, which was developed by the Adaptation Learning Network. I hope each of you have a wonderful day.